Cradleine Network. The 296th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast for two Americans who are to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for August and September 1994, progs 900 to 903. Yeah, it's, uh, it's those double-digit zeros. It's 900, baby. 900 years. It feels like 900 100. years. Please let me escape from this prison. Conrad Never. has me trapped. Conrad has me trapped. Please help me. Everyone, please help me. Conrad has me trapped. Anyway, we're talking about comics. That's right. I looked up the uh, the year 1122, which is when this podcast started because it's 900 years old. It's the year that Eleanor of Aquitaine was born and various okay. other historical thingamajigs. Uh-huh. The 900 is also a skateboard move, famously done by Tony Hawk, of course. Yeah, hey, 900 degrees, baby. And the year 900 was a leap year starting on Tuesday, buddy. Get Man, out I of here. I don't believe in those leaps. That's, uh, that's all created by coastal elite. That's true. Or, yeah, coast of the Mediterranean, because it was created by, like, <laughs> fucking... Like I said, coastal elites. Yeah. And then I try to look up 900 on it, like the number on Wikipedia, but this gives oh, me like a lot numerology of stuff, Mac Fox, you know, you know, wait, hold on. I, cause like, I feel like 900 in numerology. Oh, I'm sure that's, that's a good one. So uh, 900 is the natural number following 899 and preceding 901. This is not in numerology. Fair. But um, also, uh, it's, of course, the pay telephone number in um, the U.S. Oh, yeah. one eat dads The key thing in there is that it's a plural, you know? <laughs> just, just came out of nowhere. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't even. Woo! You know, no one's, none of our listeners in the UK are going to. I mean, it's just, it just blew my hair back with that one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this time, big milestone prog. We got a full issue Dread Rogue Trooper story, and then just a self-contained miniseries for Durham Red, Bradley, Judge Death, and Nemesis the Warlock. Some of these are good. Most of them are pretty good. If you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread the Complete Case Files 21. <laughs> The Judge Red Magazine 320 and 293 and Nemesis the Warlock Volume 3. All right, here we go. Okay, speaking of eating something. <sighs> Bitch. <laughs> Let's get going with, speaking of a, of a character who I think for these last 900 progs has been sort of a father figure to you and me, Fox. Oh, it's- yeah. What's his name like? Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> sorry, no problem. Here we go. Thrill One, Judge Dredd. What's his dick look like? Well, he's a clone, so. 
whatever the guy's dick looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Script robot John Wagner, art robot John Higgins, Ian Gibson and John Burns, lighting robot Tom Frame, and Ellie DeVille. Ca- so. Casualties of War. It's That's pretty, the- it's very good. Yeah. So Prague 900, and I think, you know, there's a real desire, you know, certainly one that we can empathize with, I think. You know, we're at a big, you know, double zero number. That's a big milestone. So let's do something to commemorate and take things a little bit out of our comforts or out of like, you know, the standard workaday prog. And I think a good way to do that is with a is full issue to, story. Yeah, you know? to be an American comic book for, for a day. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Just like, hey, yeah, one story. It's 30 pages long. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah, no, this is very weird. Very strange for those UK people. Like, God, well, no, that's not true. They also read comic books from the US. I'm an asshole. Although I will <laughs> say that British comic, like, th- there is a thing. And I for- I don't think it's uh, in the 90s. They are just getting British reprints or br- British versions of American comics. Like, actually, if you're a comic collector, th- um, a like when you're buying old comics, you can get like sometimes you can get maybe a price break or a different kind of thing if you get like a version of a comic in pence or in in UK money, really, in, instead of in US money, or or there's a price difference there at least. Okay, but I'll mention in like the seventies, um, they would actually take Marvel comics and cut them up into sections to be put into anthologies. So you'd have like a Spider-Man and his amazing friends anthology or something. Interesting. So it really did kind of mimic watching a TV show in that way. Yes. Well, or just, just basically turn them into British (laughs) comics, essentially like sort of. And so, but it means like, I don't know, Eamon from Mega City Book Club has told me of some of the ridiculous, like uh, cliffhangers that would show up in there. It's like where it was literally like sort of (laughs) like, Peter Parker's talking to someone and then Aunt May comes in and it's like, what's going on with Aunt May? <laughs> it's just like, would you like something to eat? Darling? Yeah. Next, next episode, next issue is literally like, oh, she's brought tea, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but anyway. uh, I mean, it makes sense kind of in context. Yeah. But so they'll do these full issue ones. I know, you know, there's this one, of course, and I think there's a there's a real weird one in 1100 where there's a full issue slain comics. That's like, oh, that's neat. Yeah, it's it's like the first issue of 2000 AD to not have dread in it, like since um, after uh, Judge Callan did. Or oh something wow! Like oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it, though. Um, for now, God, in 200 years, you know, less than that, certainly, maybe like 50. But um, we so we start in in Prague 900 with this full thrill, full Prague thrill, casualties of war, Dread Friday crossover, mm. which I think does show how seriously they're taking this sort of Friday reboot, basically. Yeah, Remember? absolutely. I, I I do. I think that it is a good crossover to do, much better than some of the others, <laughs> like a Dread Bradley crossover. Oh my god, my god! All right, <laughs> just shoot him. They yeah. would just shoot him. Yeah, so John Wagner starts us off with John Higgins and with Tom Frame and Ellie DeVille teaming up for lettering because it's a big job, sort of lettering an entire frog in a week, basically. Mm. On New Earth, a precise missile barrage takes out enemy trench, trench works like a surgeon's knife and shock troopers go in to mop up. 
The defeated soldiers retreat to the mothership, where, under enemy fire, they hit their time drive and escape through the temporal morass. So I guess what we're saying here is that the future of Judge Dredd also has North and South. It's an interesting point. Yeah, this would... Because it's, it's not, not like... It's not, it's it's not, not a dimensional drive yeah, or anything exactly. like that. So... Yeah, I guess we could say that North, South's clavels or Souther's clavel, etc., takes place in Dread's future, but certainly hundreds of years in Dread's future. You know, sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and knowing the size of the of space, you know, yeah, like kind of the reach that JD uh, has, it's just kind of could be anywhere. I guess. Yeah, it could be anywhere, and like. You know, if you assume that it's probably after like the 2300 or the 23rd century when flesh takes place, you know, later in the 21st century when uh, when uh, strontium dog takes place and stuff like that, it's possible, you know. Yeah. Yeah. People could eat dino burgers from anywhere. God, I'm so ready. I'm ready. I am also ready. It's probably very, (laughs) very chunky meat, you know. I mean, honestly, I feel like it would really depend on the species, you know, like. Big, I mean, everyone wants like a, a Tyrannosaurus steak, you know? Yeah, like a Brontosaurus is, might be fatty and marbled. You know, the, we know they're warm-blooded, so it's probably like poultry or something ooh, like that, ooh, you know? Yeah, a little gamey maybe, you know? Because it's, uh, I mean, it's out there. It's running yeah, around. Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Listen, yeah, meat. Fox Fox blew me away with an aside right at the start of the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm desperately grasping for cover. <laughs> Um, so anyway, they go, they use the time drive escape into time. They arrive at the year 2116 to make locals with, make contact with the locals, locals with the contacts. Uh, we see general Mojan addressing his troops. Today was a disgrace. And one man from each company will be executed as an example of what happens to cowards. We see dread negotiating with Mojan. They'll get provisions and expert medical assistance in return for the techs getting a chance to just check out their sweet future science for 48 hours unrestricted. 48 hours unrestricted to see, you know, I guess they kind of already have time travel in a way. So I guess they're just looking for tech. Yeah, I'd say like like, tech. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you think about like, you know, we've seen uh, 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 Friday's helmet be able to to defeat security systems and stuff like that. Well, biochips in general, right? Well, we, 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 we've seen biochips in the past in um, in the Judge Child saga. There were there were biochips. Oh, OK. Dread like found a, like he talked to some there was some alien planet where they were doing them and it was a whole thing. I don't want to get into it. Oh, man. But, you know, but because he I, acts interested when he finds, yeah, you know, I, be, I believe I believe the technology is still being investigated and sort of refined and stuff like that, I think. You know, they don't quite have it to the point where, like, I, I think now a biochip requires intensive surgery and stuff as opposed to, you know, some guy who pretends to be the god of death sort of waving a, <laughs> a sci-fi dildo at you or whatever. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, fair. <laughs> anyway, again, anyway. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So, on this ship, a pair of soldiers goes nuts and starts shooting up the place. We see... Friday there with a bandaged head and cuffs on his hands, like sort of like metal cuff, like cups basically that are over his, his so, so he can't use his fingers and stuff. The shooters go to kill the general as Dread springs into action, and Friday does too. They sort of 
both kick to disarm and tackle the yeah. uh, North attackers. Hey, listen, clones all the way, baby. Yeah. When they do, though, the attacker's head suddenly starts to, like, fry like bacon. It's a trick. Get back. He gonna explode. Yeah, the men explode, and Mojan explains that these men must have been captured by the Norts and implanted with control mechanisms that make them betray their Souther colleagues and explode when caught. Uh-huh. Yeah, Mojan compliments Friday's bravery when suddenly Sergeant Hagar shows up with his Kano eye patch and metal teeth. And That's how you know arm. he's a bad boy. He's got he's got Jaws and Kano. He's Jano. Oh no, he um and he and he tells the general, "Don't compliment Friday because he's going to be executed for being a coward." When questioned, Friday says he can't remember the events of the battle. He's got that amnesia. Dread a likely skept- story. Indeed. Listen, Final Fantasy protagonist. Dread skeptical <laughs> about Friday about Friday being a coward because he seemed pretty badass a moment ago. And then, like, Hagar starts going real crazy about how big of a coward Friday is and just general anti-clone stuff. Yeah, which you don't really want to do in front of JD. Right. Well, I mean, I don't I don't even know if Dredd's particularly pro or anti-clone. He's very I mean, but if you're going to draw him on the line, he's a little bit to the left. Yeah, as I would say to he right, trends you know? toward it. But honestly, this um, what this reminded me more of. Um, have you ha- have you like me, Fox, watched a ton of Columbo or have you only watched a moderate amount of Columbo? Only a moderate amount of Columbo. So, you know, in Columbo, you, the viewer, know who's done the crime, you know? Yeah. But And and the fun is sort of seeing how Columbo figures it out, it, it out and proves it. And in most Columbo episodes, there is a moment where he's sort of just arrived on the scene and talking to people where the person who actually did it says something. And if you're quick, you can see Peter Falk's like sort of twig <laughs> that this person is suspicious, basically. Mm-hmm. It's really neat, and I and I feel like as much as it could be clone sympathies, I think it's also just dread the police investigator sort of like having saying, the intuition. Yeah, right? like this guy pr- doth protest too much, that kind of stuff. Um. Anyway, Friday goes for medical attention because you got to be healthy to be shot, and. From <laughs> a v- <laughs> From a viewing window, Judge Friel asks Dredd about his thoughts on the Friday situation, and Dredd thinks Hagar is lying, but it's none of our business. At the med bay, the tro- uh, troops complain that it's like the Nords knew our positions, and Friday mm. sort of is thinking about himself and what he knows is amnesiac state, and he's like, I don't think I ran, guys. Like, I feel like I'm pretty, pretty brave, honestly. When suddenly, as he says this, his helmet starts talking. It's top. Oh, yeah, baby. Friday thought he was dead, but he's okay. He's reworked his circuits to be able to talk again. He's got a data gap, though, and can't remember the fight either. Okay. We also learned that Lucky and 8-Ball were stripped from Friday when he was put in iron. So they're just I mean, it makes... It does make sense. You wouldn't let a prisoner carry his rifle around or his bag full of grenades. You know, that just doesn't seem wise. (laughs) Uh, Leaving the med station, Friday's taken away by the judges. Hagar really hates Friday. And but with time to kill and his charge relieved from him, these these Souther troops head to a nearby bar to tie one on, as you do. Yeah. So I guess they're at like a a station that 
Vegas City controls. Yeah, presumably this like bar that they go to is like inside the cordon to prevent temporal uh, contamination. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, at a med station, a doctor removes shrapnel from Friday as Top tells him to buck up. And Dredd offers some help by bringing in Psy Judge Carmen to try to fill in some gaps in his memory. I mean, hey, you know, we've got those at this time. Don't know why you don't got them in your time. Yeah. And Dredd sends uh, Top and the helmet to for a tech evaluation. Judge Friel lightly questions why Dredd's doing this and mentions, as you said, some sympathies for his fellow clone. And Dredd says, mm-hmm. don't be, be ridiculous. I mean, you got to have some. Yeah. You know, clones got to got to get got got to stick together. Yeah, exactly. Clones watching out for clones. Yeah. We're all in this tube at once. You know, yeah, Carmen's. Exactly. Carmen sends Friday back in time. He was crawling through no man's land on patrol, headed for the enemy camp, killing trench vipers as he went. When suddenly he saw Sergeant Hagar at the bar, or Hagar, I don't know. Hagar uh, brags about his bravery and makes uh, his troops buy him drinks. Which, I mean, a real (laughs) dick move from a superior officer. Absolutely. And he starts sweating and getting weird occasionally, but just says it must be stress. In his recovering memory, Friday sees Hagar with a white flag parlaying with the Norts, handing Ooh. over a map of the Souther camp. He's the traitor, Fox. Ooh, he sold us out. Shoot some people. Yeah, Friday tries to shoot Hagar, but shoots a Nort instead, and it then decides to go run to warn the camp. Um, but as he arrives there, he gets there just in time as the missiles hit, taking out the whole base. In the explosion, he lost his memory and must have just got back to the mothership on instinct alone. And now it seems Hagar is trying to cover his tracks by accusing Friday of cowardice. Now it's time to freak out uh, because no one likes a GI for whatever reason, even though they seem to be pretty upstanding people. Well, there's only the one, you know. Right. And so far, you know. I agree. It's, It's tough to know because... In like in rogue in like classic rogue trooper, he was also like a deserter, you know, and yeah. so like the the Souther military police were sort of after him as well, um, and so that was sort of the reason why he wouldn't, you know, why he didn't sort of rejoin command, and then when he did, sort of the traitor general revealed himself, and so it turned out there was sort of this. Um, you know, traitor within high command that would try to take him out and stuff like that. And then it would just became a big hunt for the traitor general, basically. Yep. And um, and with sort of original Friday, they didn't have the Norts and Souths for a while. And so he was just sort of, you know, a lone operator and stuff. With this new version of Friday, they brought back the Norts and Souths, but I don't know how much, like... I don't know. It's not clear if Fred is currently a deserter, right? Like what part of the original rogue timeline is in use versus the war machine timeline and all that uh, kind of yeah, stuff. It's I, unclear. I, mean, I, assume, I assume it's the current one. And again, like, I don't think they think of him as a deserter. He's just a weirdo that survived. And now, you know, yeah, he's kind of just helping folks as he goes. I will say in a uh, in a letter in one of the letters pages in this episode, it's like someone asks similar questions and Thorg promises that there will be basically 
an explainer or like a uh, a recap to bring everybody up to date to the rules of this current setting in the next Rogue Trooper story. And I'm interested in that. We're sort of in a in a post-crisis situation for Rogue Trooper, like at, in DC Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths, when sort of there had to be a story just explaining what the backstory of some of these characters were, because you have some DC characters where their um, you know backstory is, oh, I'm from Earth 2. And it's like, well, there is no Earth 2. Like, oh, dip. All right, let's figure <laughs> out something out new then. Anyway, <laughs> Friday freaks out and starts attacking the judges. Dread tells Freel to hold his fire, and Friday keeps going. They're already going to shoot him, so you know who cares what he does. They can't. His situation can't get worse. He escapes the medical facility by leaping out a window, and he says he can't just accuse Hagar of um, treason or whatever because he's just a GI, a genetic freak. They won't believe him, as we talked about. So he's got to get justice on his own. He leaps from the building and out onto the streets of Mega City One. The judge is in pursuit. And at the bar, Hagar keeps making the same guy buy drinks over and over again. And he's like having to barter more and more of his stuff away to pay for them. And when he says he can't, Hagar says, you're mighty tight for a Souther, which confuses the men. What? Giving away the goose. This is some real... uh, uh, a great escape. Thank you very much. Kind of such things, you know, mm-hmm. reveal yourself or in those war movies where they ask somebody like, uh, how about them cubs? And it's like, what? A cub is a small bear. Like, ah, he's not from Chicago. Shoot him. Whoa. <laughs> um, Hagar has a big headache or something like that at this point. And then Friday bursts in. A bar brawl breaks out. Friday levels accusations at Hagar. Hagar's arm sprouts a knife from it, and they fight. And Friday's a much better fighter, so he starts to like oh, sort of turn yeah. the arm around to stab Hagar with his own knife, which is always a cool move. Get bladed, Brady. Oh, man. Dread bursts in, arrests Friday for his own good. But as he does, Hagar screams, he's a trig, and his head explodes leaving only a set of metal dentures where his skull once was. I did like that point. It's just like the <laughs> rattling over. teeth like <laughs> bouncing across the floor. Absolutely. This, of course, proves Friday's side of the story. Like he was, uh, you know, had a control, snort control mechanism. Friday's done a bunch of crimes, but in the end, Dredd lets him off the warning. And Friel asks if this is favoritism, but Dredd says no. The choice was to either let him go or keep him permanently, because of course, you know, he wouldn't go back up time with the rest of his with, with the rest of his men. Man, he's not gonna fucking deal with that. Yeah, and Dred's just like, listen, that guy seems like trouble, so get the heck out of here. <laughs> and there we go. Full size 28 page comic. Man. It was good. I liked it. Yeah, <clears throat> I thought it was fun. Well, it- I was somewhat skeptical, but you know, it works well. They they crafted that narrative in a way that I appreciated. Yeah, I think it gave a chance for both Dread and Friday to kind of have some moments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I th- like I like this a little better than like I think Judgment Day is better overall. But I did just kind of like how these two guys sort of became chums almost versus yeah. the point in like Judgment Day when Dread beats up Johnny Alpha or whatever, and it's like okay, yeah, that one was a little like uh, okay. Exactly. All right. But now to our regular uh, size dread stories, Vox. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Just got yeah. some got some little dread one offs here as we sort of bide time to Wilderland starts. I, I basically. mean, you know, a whole two of them is like 
Okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Just this first one's just kind of funny as John Wagner and Ian Gibson are up next. Always nice to see. I'm a big v- Ian Gibson fan. We haven't seen him for a while in the prog, though he's been tearing it up in the magazine. Judge Death, still incarcerated following the events of Necropolis and Judgment on, Go- on Gotham, incarnates into a containment cell and offers us tea. He wants to tell us some history. And he's done this before in the page of the magazine, and it's continuing now, basically, sort of early day Judge Dead. In Dead World, after the Dark Judges pur- purged of all life, things were nice and peaceful for a few centuries. When one day, a delegation of aliens from Dimension ZINF 44 stroke 07 warp in. They need to use the bathroom. You would, wouldn't you? But they're in for a bad time. Oh, they die with full bladders, which is the worst way to die. No matter how you die, that death can always be made worse by also having to pee. Anyway. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so the Dimension Hoppers are all murdered by Judge Death, and with the new Dimension Hopping devices, the Dark Judges discuss whether they should bring their grim justice to other realities. Um, Actually, it seems like most of them say no, only Judge Death says that he wants to do that, and so he does, warping straight to Judge Dredd and, you know, Prog 149, basically. Yeah. We see some some um, we see Gibson recreating some of the iconic images from that uh, issue as Judge Death then calls Dredd a hypocrite. After all, he's killed half a billion people himself. And there was one time he even admitted that Judge Death was right. Mm. And he takes us back to that as not long ago, some jerk justice tech guy decided to try to uh you to to create the dark judge reincarnation process on his own making his own death uh fluids and managing to successfully incarnate judge death this is some real bad um, idea this is some real batman shit to be <clears throat> fair of just oh, like yeah, oh sure. like <laughs> let's experiment with the master criminals um technology oh no he's come back to life and escaped that kind of stuff i just feel like none of that should have been something that yeah he did I feel like our society, we don't need to know about death, about death fluids. Like they don't seem to bring you back to life in a medically solid way, you know? (laughs) Um, Anyway, Judge Death, of course, manages to instantly get free and starts running amok. Yeah, kills some folks. Yeah, puts his hand in there. He's loose in a Mega City One research facility. And of course, as you do in a Mega City One research facility, he finds a time machine and heads back to the 20th century with Dread and Hot Pursuit, of course. Death arrives at Beck's Hill in time for a concert by Sid Shuffle and a seaside sonambulists. And Fox, here's where I tell you that Beck's Hill on Sea is a seaside town in England with the most centarians in the country, like the most okay, people so now this is over 100 in, in, in the country. Yeah, I was I was waiting for the shoe to drop here because I'm like, I don't I mean, it just seems like he. But I'd say also Same like on a gathering of elders, elsters. Yeah, like I would say also just generally a lot of like English seaside towns sort of have some sort of camp or other kind of thing that's just full of old people, basically. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> an enclave of elsters. Well, like 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 a holiday camp is what I mean, or sure, like sure, um, sure. Like, like a place you would like where elsters would go on vacation or something like that. Sort of as a, a you know a a inex a more inexpensive vacation that their pension can handle or something like where that. Where there's I less guess. of those frisbees and radical skateboard tricks. Yes, yes. Also, yes, fewer fewer hoodies and things of that nature. You know, English stuff. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Anyway, Death is stoked with this uh, to see this crowd of the nearly dead and goes to make them entirely dead. Some he keel over just by looking at them. The Elsters slowly shuffle away until Dread shows up, blows Death, you know, kill like blows Death away, just shoots him to pieces, catches him in a Ghostbusters style trap. Even if he does mention that he agrees that most of these old folks were better off dead already. Harsh. Yeah. Ooh, Judge Dredd, hot takes. <sighs> anyway, all the folks that died here weren't going to have any more kids. So Dredd considers this to be a pretty minor blip on the timeline. Still yeah. cleans up the scene and disappears back to the future. Of course, it did make the papers, but they just sort of, you know, made up lies about it. And everybody denies the truth. Anyway, right, <laughs> in the end, I think we can all agree that Judge Death's a pretty cool dude. Why not write in to like, you know, for his campaign to be pardoned and donate to his release? Yeah, fund? I was going to say he's really fake newsing this whole thing. <laughs> Listen, he's in the fight for the info war, Fox. So you have to give him money now more than ever. Got to get his appeal going, Fox. He's not going to pay that billion dollars. <laughs> oh, that God. kind of stuff. There, he is definitely going to pay that billion dollars. God, he's a hundred percent going to pay that billion dollars. I know it's amazing. All right. It's going to be very good. I can't wait for him to have to sell all of his expensive watches and shut down his whole operation. This, I believe, is the last time we'll see Judge Death until uh, Literal Prog One Thousand. I think. Whoa! Though he'll be back in the Meg in uh, in, in 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 the coming year in ninety five. Okay. So he's still relevant. Yeah. Listen, he listen, I appreciate that they that like that dr- that death's been in jail for like the last four years and just sort I, of I mean he should be. Yeah, <clears throat> that sort of mega city prison keeps you down, basically. You know, I don't like the revolving door of like our of your of your Arkham's or whatever, just to use another Batman reference. Mm-hmm. You know, I like when when you know when you've got to keep having vaguely new threats as opposed to just recycling the rogues gallery over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Um, so our final dread story, Dan Abnett and John Burns take over as citizen Elvon Huddy is mugged. But the crooks don't just want his money. They want his various parts as well. His eye and his hand. Whoa, gross. Yeah. Judge Spinks tells Dredd there's been an increase in these kinds of mutilations recently. And Dredd puts it together. They're going to use the eye and hand to fake Huddy's identity identity and clean out his bank account well this is the thing is like spits butts spuds whatever his name is sphinx it's like he's like okay well like has the bank been notified yeah and you know the accounts are like really safeguarded and he's like okay like how and he's like well with a palm print print, and it's like okay (laughs) like put it together dummy (laughs) come on (laughs) um we indeed learn that this is being done and dread speeds to the cred point. Modern, you know, really, really like the 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 effect that they have for Judge Dread speeding off. Absolutely, yeah. Beautiful. I I like Burns' art here because he's got 
sort of like Arthur Ranson, I think he's got a more realistic style. I think that, that mm. contrasts really interestingly with the sci-fi elements of Absolutely. the lawmaster and Dredd's uniform and stuff. And yeah, when he hyperspeeds, he sort of becomes these motion lines that are really neat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he arrives to see a perp with a whole setup accessing the ATM. Like he's got a cyber arm with the fake arm plugged into it and a bunch of with blood. The eye also like connected to it. Yeah. And all the yeah. blood pumping into the things to keep them working. Well, I like that because in real life, actually, they're like even nowadays, a lot of retina scanners like, you know, when those exist in high tech places also detect the flow of blood within your eye. So, whoa, I did not know this. Even modern, even just like, you know, 2022 retina scanners can't really be defeated by uh, Demolition Man style gouging a dude's eye out and just holding it up to the scanner. You have to be alive, buddy. It's going to be pumping that blood. And so this is simulating that. And as a pedant who brings that, um, you know, it's one of those situations where like, you know, when you sort of know when you're a nerd and you know one thing. And so whenever that thing comes up, you sort of bring up the fact that you know this fact, you know, that that's a big one for me. And so that they sort of took that into account. I feel like um, I felt vindicated anyway. Damn. <laughs> Dread guns down the, down the perp, but his accomplices escape in a car. So Dread gives chase funny moment here where the perp sort of is smashed into the ATM and the, you know, the mechanical voice thanks him for his custom and stuff like that. Yeah, I really love his head smashed into the whole thing. Very yeah. well done. <laughs> the perps dodge a roadblock and go flying back at Dread, who takes him out with his bike cannon. Inside the vehicle, once it crashes, techs find a bunch of hands preserved for later use. And now they can, you know, use those hands to find the victims. And since they're still alive, maybe even reattach them. Mm-hmm. I guess you might say... Dredd's got this whole case sewn up, Fox. Oh, hey, look at that. Come on. <laughs> anyway, I love ne- that. Real yeah. cute, Sphinx. Real cute. <laughs> Real good. Come on. Real dumb. Next time on Dread, Wilderlands. Okay. You, you, me, and Eli, Fox, we're going to be going into the Wilder Zone to talk about this one. I appreciate that because I like that. Yeah, we'll be off timeline, just sort of, you know, one big mammoth day-long recording of sort of this whole storyline, and then I'll, God. you know, stitch that back in to the rest of the episodes. It'll be fun. It'll be some Magruder and robot judges and lava, dragons, all kinds of stuff. What the, f- what? Yeah, it's gonna be good. I like the fact that you said dragons. Me too. And speaking of mythical beasts, Fox, let's continue on to Thrill to Durham Red. I have got to tell you something very serious, Conrad. What's that, Fox? And it's going to be, I, I honestly think this is actually going to cause us problems mm-hmm. on the forums on everywhere. Right? Oh. Uh, I think this Durham Red's great. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the glow up here? That's the I most think important I, question. Well, oh, it's much better. Much, much better. Much, 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 much better. Yeah, we'll than, get into it, it here, I think. Uh, script robot Peter Hogan, art robot Mark Harrison, letter robot Tom Frame. So, yeah, solo Durham Red story after she, she sort of got re- reintroduced to the timeline last episode. We learned that Durham Red, mutant vampire, is a lover of vampire movies and media. I mean, listening to Sisters of Murphy and stuff. Yeah, vampire stuff's fine. Probably gets on, you know, plays like some Vampire the Masquerade and stuff. I was, I was going to say, doesn't even play the video game. She's probably just full on role playing. You know, 
I mean, I th- literally, I'm. I think the only reason why there isn't a reference to it is because I don't think it exists in 1994. No, I, I feel like White Wolf's a long way off. <laughs> it's maybe like two or three years away. I want to say because I I play a little vampire. I play a little bit more werewolf. But I played some vampire. Were, werewolf in is the more attractive one because you don't get like the weirdos. You get the people who like animals at the very least. You. <sighs> They're all that they, trust me, White Wolf. It's all I don't want to. It's I weird. Wanna, all the way yeah, down. I don't want to. Actually, no, I guess Vampire the Masquerade is 91. Never mind. I do want to say that it's a it would be a bold statement to say any White Wolf game doesn't have weirdos involved with it. That is bold because <laughs> yeah. they're weirdos. Um, anyway, but she's not. She just drinks blood. You know, she's not a vampire in the movie way she's she doesn't really like daylight but that's more sort of a shut-in way that i can appreciate she loves garlic doesn't really care about crosses one way or another and loves mirrors for checking out her hot bod and here's where we got to talk about how between she's into it yeah between 899 and 9 and 901 red's gotten a massive makeover and i'm into it yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. Definitely. I, you know, love the red hair. Love the love the body. Love that she's got the two mirrors. Love that. I mean, listen, she's having she's having an emotional time. And in so much, it's like she's trying to shatter these expectations of her. She's also shattering the mirror. She looks yeah. great. She's, you know, again, bummed out because her and Johnny Alpha, the item will never exist. I'm very sad for that. But, you know, here we are. She lives on. She's still her own person. Totally, yeah. Just to get specific about it, her mohawk bob has been replaced by this long black, long red hair with black undertones. Her skin's become this sort of bluish gray, and she kind of wears like I don't know. It feels very not like as the original Durham Red kind of felt eighties. This version feels very nineties with this like sort of corset and little sunglasses and things like that. Oh hell yeah! No, she's she's rocking the look. Absolutely. She knows knows what she's doing and she wears it well. Yeah. And she knows she looked good. Absolutely. Yeah. She knows she looked good. Yeah. And yet, way, there's no like mystery or magic behind her power. She can't spread vampirism with her bite, but she is goth as hell. And sometimes that's enough. (laughs) She's she's got two mirrors and it's sort of a shoulder angel, shoulder devil kind of situation. One forgives her for her bloodlust. The other one says to embrace it and just kill every, you know, bastard she meets on the street, basically. I mean, yeah, she's on the hunt, dude. She's in. She smashes both those mirrors and then looks out on the sci-fi city that she's in and then sort of, you know, again, kind of Batman-y, I guess, or the crowy from Rooftop. She sees a man kill a couple and rob their bodies. Red thinks she could wait for this guy to slip up and therefore be a, to, to be a bounty on his head. But in the end, he's a bad guy and she's hungry now. So Yum, yum, yum. I want to eat him up. Yeah, with her sunglasses to go with sunglasses at night to go with her corset and G-string. She chases so the can, man down. So I can. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Savoring the adrenaline, working into his bloodstream as she attacks him, rips his throat open, and drinks his blood. Mmm, tasty. Yeah. Better when they're bad. Mm-hmm. But as she does this, she's suddenly surrounded by a bunch of jerks with crosses. They got her! I mean, you know... They, you know, these religious fanatics, they just want to get people. You got to you got to fight against rise against. Absolutely. Listen, they're just trying to angry mob their way through life. You know, 
So a bunch of yokels with crosses want to take down Red, but they come at her one at a, one at a time, as you do. So she, you know, kicks the shit out of a couple of them before the numbers game gets to her. Yeah, that's the thing is that then they start figuring out, oh, we can't just do this one at a time fighting thing. We got to gang up on her. Yeah. She's only got so many teeth. Learn her mouth. <laughs> yeah, they they finally figure out the inverse ninja problem. You know, when when there's one ninja, you're in trouble. But when there's twenty ninjas, you're okay. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really? Is that a is that a thing? It's a joke thing. It's kind of like I don't know, like when twenty ninjas attack a guy in a martial arts movie. Oh yeah, movie, no, he's gonna you're win. definitely fine. Yeah, okay. Oh, when I see what when you mean. when one ninja attacks that same guy, like that's gonna be a big fight. You're like, like that's gonna uh, be a hard dip. one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. Anyway, she's she lit. She she says she's a strontium dog, but they don't care. And soon she's tied to a stake, about to be burned. The people see her as these as a slavering beast, not the sad lady she is. And there's some interesting sort of side by side images here. There was in the last one actually too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I like Mark Harrison's art, and he can sort of do a good job of showing either. Red as being very sad or as being this bloodthirsty monster. Although both versions are covered in blood for the record. I mean, you know, one of them is somebody who just had a drink and the other one is like, she's trying to survive. Yeah. The pirate. She's got this duality inside of her that she's trying to, you know, figure out herself. God damn it. She holds a dark mirror up to herself. The pyre is lit and she screams in pain and it brings to Brings the dead to life. An army of zombies or maybe vampires rise from the nearby, very close to the ground cemetery. A lot of it's one of those uh, coffins just lying around kind of cemeteries. Hey, listen, and they're all her people and she made them and now they're going to kick the ass out of these people. Yeah. Pretty her dope. dark children, her mirrors come to her aid. The vampires have answered her call and kill all the locals, freeing Red from the fire. Very awesome. Totally. A very Clark Gable-looking vampire sort of holds Red before the rising flames and kind of a gone with the wind kind of thing and asks what Red, his queen, would have them do with these men. Step on me, queen. Finally. And Durham Red decides that she's tired of being alone. She's had enough of humanity. So why not put it all behind her? I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. She's a strontium dog. Everyone was. She's got one of the better things that you can have. She's not like a giant toe. But, you know, she couldn't have had an easy one. Listen, if there's one thing I know about the strontium dog setting, it's that humans have it coming. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. In a montage, we see her and her kindred taking over the city, the planet, and then conquering the galaxy in a wave of blood, ruling it all with worlds enough and time. You're the, the goddess, buddy. Yeah. I'm into it. There's a really great image of Red as she becomes Shiva, dancing out the death of the universe with all these arms and shit. But Pretty no. awesome. <laughs> In the end, Red rejects this, and we see that all of this has been a fantasy as she looked into her two mirrors. She's not a goddess. She's not evil or good or even a proper vampire. She's just her, Durham Red. And maybe that's mad, but maybe it's enough. Yeah. 
And hey, that lady's back. She just took her on a fucking psychic journey and there's more to go through. Yeah, that blindfolded walking lady from the end of Strontium, the Strontium Dog story shows up. Durham Red is on a journey, a journey of judgment. She's traveled far already, but now she will walk even further. And I love that it's a, a huge causeway of mirrors in a desert, yeah. you know? One after cool. another in this weird dreamscape, definitely. And Durham Red will return in 1995. For High Moon. Yeah, and we'll get, and you know, this is sort of just the start of basically. I'm really hoping that is Sans the Gronk and Sans, uh, our buddy, I forget. Uh, Farrell, yeah. Farrell. I think we... We might get a look in, but I think much more uh, Durham Red's going to be sort of a solo story, a solo yeah, story. Because, well, and listen, there's only two people I care about anymore from this uh, universe. That's McNulty and it's Durham Red. That's super fair. I mean, I could do for I could I would like to see what the torso from Newcastle is up to. Oh, That's my favorite I mean, listen, side if we're going to if we're going to be talking about the side ones, you know, we we love our 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 yeah. our Mave, Mave of the many yeah. hands. Maver the many arms also would would appreciate would like an update on you know yeah Maver's dope totally love some of these side mutants all right so but and hey speaking of a of a of a mutated dudes fox okay let's continue on with thrill three rogue trooper is his penis blue and is it circumcised it's, it's definitely blue it's definitely blue. Like maybe a darker blue than the rest. Well, of I them. guess the real question is: Is it Kendall, or does he have the ability to create genetic material? And is he shooting blanks? You know. Yeah, that's the other part. There's so many questions I have about what's under that man's pants. Mm-hmm. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Chris Weston, and Gina Hart, <laughs> learning robot Bunty Mayhew. You know, it's the weirdest thing. It's that you know that in this one, I don't know if you saw this, mm-hmm. but did you see the tattoo on his chest? I don't know if I did. It says one nine hundred eat dads. I hate you, fuck. <laughs> this podcast is over. Nine hundred was enough. Podcast nine hundred. We did it, everybody. Podcast about Prague nine hundred. You know. Oh my god. I'll just do it so I'll just do the remaining retrospective. I'll do the remaining four solo to get to three hundred and then we're out. That's it. <laughs> Easy Pete. <laughs> All right. Time for some more conventional fright. No, of course. I love you, buddy. This is what I love I'm you too, for. buddy. We got this. Listen. 900 more years. We've been we've been explicit since Prague one. So you know people know what they're getting into. Yeah. I mean, if you got to Prague 900 and you haven't heard any of my dick humor, welcome. <laughs> anyway, yeah, some conventional Friday action here. If he finds himself surrounded by Nort scavengers, must be for Five or six hundred of them, but that's no problem. The GI comes out shooting. Thirty-six hours later, a uh, ambulance APC rolls up to a massive pile of bodies and ruined tanks and stuff. As female soldiers in yellow and green uniforms look for survivors, mm. res- team dogs. Mm. They're responding to a distress signal because Johnny Alpha's costume is yellow and green, hey. right? And they but- got the the red, black, and yellow badge. Yeah. But but there's no survivors except for Top, the helmet. One of the women, Weaver, grabs it and the crew heads back to camp as Top asks if they've seen Friday. Um, He generally asks what's going on as they're taken to a hospital facility and everyone has a logo that's kind of like the peace sign, but like with a bar through the top line of it, basically. 
And Weaver says they are the Peace Corps and are pacifists, though they are pretty well armed for self-defense purposes. Um, it seems that they have to be because the Norts have started sending uh, snatch squads to grab female soldiers for, ooh, weird reasons. No, uncool reasons, certainly. Um, and there's also some men mixed in here who, who harass Weaver uh, lightly. Anyway, um, Weaver, wearing top, takes the, uh, the biochip to the other chipped gear she found recently. Of course, it's his buddies, Lucky and 8-Ball. Top mentions that Friday is blue, and Weaver puts together Friday must be that genetic infantryman they found. <laughs> I mean, the giant blue guy, yes. Yes. He's sitting in surgery, and they've been trying to put him back together for days, and we see the work being done. It looks bad. It's, uh, it looks real bad, because not most things can penetrate their blue skin, right? Yeah. Like, He's just got a big hole in his gut that they're just sort of digging around bullet in. Bullet holes, and they've got his eye covered. It's real extreme. Yeah. Ugh. At the Nort camp, it seems the men are have been stuck in position for a while, and the Nort they're high and they're horny. Yeah, the Nort mind control drugs are getting low, so they got to just steal some women to tide the troops over so they don't riot. At the camp, Friday is quickly recovering from his wounds, getting out of bed to shave his face and mohawk. It seems Weaver has a Nort accent, which Friday doesn't like, but I guess we're on nobody's side and everybody's side at the Peace Corps as she pins a peace sign badge to top. And Fox, I want to say that all this Peace Corps stuff sort of threw me off a little bit because in the U.S., the Peace Corps is a specific government agency that does yeah. sort of like humanitarian work. work. Yeah, in like developing countries and stuff like that, you know, they help build a water system or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, they're not like an actual military corps. Yeah, whereas this seems to be using the same term sort of as people fighting for a general concept of, of peace versus war, I guess. <laughs> Which is, you know, shoot people for peace. Also, well, I mean, they're also trying to not. No, I think they're things. mostly doing hospital stuff, but, you know, they can't just let themselves be sitting ducks, I think. I think it makes sense. Um, but, yeah, it just that term is is sort of in use. So it's weird to see it sort of used in this way, <laughs> to me at least. But since that's not really a British thing, I guess you can sort of understand why it would be in, you know, it'd be an OK thing to say, I guess, or, or, or something that would make sense. Um Anyway, Friday's skeptical about this peace stuff, and indeed, the Norts immediately attack after this conversation, <laughs> after these word bubbles go out. <laughs> Weaver runs out to fight, telling Rogue to, or telling Friday to stay there, I should say. This squad goes, the uh, Nort squad goes to destroy the facility, and they catch Weaver with a web gun, and they talk about, like, cutting a limb off so she can't cause any trouble when they take her back to camp. It's already, like, so... Horribly rapey. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's like, let's certainly the implication. Disfigure this person. Yeah. But as they do this, a shot rings out. It's Friday, and this is a pretty woman situation because these women have made a big mistake. Huge. Look, it's, uh, I don't I'm, know why Friday quotes pretty woman in the course of this fight, Fox, but he does. <laughs> it's pretty good. In many ways, not being able to shop at a fancy store is like your new friend being captured by enemy soldiers to be part of a rape, a rape camp, Fox. Anyway, <laughs> Friday. It's more about pretty women than anything else. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey, hey. Spend some time with me. Fr Friday with eight balls starts mowing down Norts as Weaver with Top and Lucky is cut free by the other Peace Corps folks. They load injured soldiers into their ambulance uh, APC. 
as Friday says that these Norts have gotten fat and sloppy sitting at their base and he just freaking murders them. This is like a big heavy machine gun gets pulled out and starts <laughs> shooting at him and Friday just runs right towards it and kills the dude using it. He doesn't give a shit. I mean, he stabs his gun at some point through the face of a guy. It's good. That's solid. I like when you put your yeah put a gun through somebody and then shoot someone else while the gun's still in there. That's a top move. Fox. No, I mean like in through his face. Yeah, he runs up to the guy, jams the gun from the front of his face to the back of his face, and it like penetrates. It's like totally. I li- he's like real pissed about like I'm gonna I say. You know, you got to stand, right? Especially you got to stand against that rape. Yeah. Man, he's he's really... No, uh, justified anger, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's sort of the gun equivalent of my favorite move from Lord of the Rings when Legolas will, was stabbed a dude with an arrow and then shot another guy oh, with the same yeah. arrow. That's a solid yeah, move. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, hey, listen, I, I, I can't grab my stuff, but I got this arrow and now I'm going to use that to, like, decapitate you with that same arrow. Yeah, I love it. Good times. Um... Yeah, so um, he then, uh, like, a, a couple, like, land speeders show up. He shoots one with a harpoon gun and then he grabs the rope from the harpoon and, like, swings the speeder down into some other troops. It's pretty awesome. Um, really but, goes all hell for leather with this. Man. Absolutely. It's good. Like, this is, like, Chris Weston doing some real good f- uh, uh, fighting stuff here. Like, just this battle is really neat. Sadly, though, as this happens, a stray mortar round comes flying in and hits the ambulance head on. In a rage, Friday heads to the mortar emplacement, killing the men there, ignoring their pleas for mercy. Yeah, uh, hello, you just fucking, like, are you kidding? Yeah, You're gonna it, die. It had red crosses on it there, dude. A radio crackles and Friday tells Hester, the Nort commander, the, the Nort commander, that his men are dead and Friday is coming for him. He goes to take care of his friends, of his dead friends, recovering top from a dying weaver. She says that I Friday prompted Yeah, she was nice. She seemed optimistic in this world of war. Yeah, exactly. She says that Friday promised peace and asks that he not let her die for nothing. And then he just fucking tosses that shit and is like, nope, gonna go kill some more. Well, he, he covers her body with a blanket and puts a cross on top of it, sort of like has a moment. But then, yeah, he prepares to head out. And when Top asks, Friday removes the peace sign from the helmet, there's no room for peace on a battlefield. It's just an idle dream. And stumps out, presumably, to murder the shit out of those Norts. Yeah, that's my hope. That's my hope here, because that's kind of a shitty way to leave, buddy. Totally. Oh, that's kind of the end for a little bit. Friday won't be back until 1995, actually. We're sort oh, that's of getting unfortunate. Pretty much, like, a lot of the stuff we're seeing is, like... Won't be continued until next year. We're going to get a whole new slate of thrills next episode, actually, which will sort of last us for most of the year, if not to the end. Okay. And I am excited about that. New stuff, new stuff, good stuff. Yeah, I think you're going to, I think you're going to be very happy with three fifths of of, of what's going on. That's a lot better. That's a lot better than zero out of five. Yeah, maybe three. Yeah, at least two fifths, I think. But anyway. With that, Fox, let's take a break from looking ahead and look through our present with non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, so here we go. Prog 900, 900 issues. 
900 years, 2080. From when this issue comes out, we are 39% of our way through 2080. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Though, of course, it's a moving target, so our, our pace gets slower even as we go further. The cover has dread gently day sticking Friday on a white background. It's a little. Yeah. Long grud Friday. Ooh. The cover's yeah. by, it's by Jason Brasil. Oh who's a newcomer to the podcast, but will go on to do a ton of covers, plus Space Girls, among other things. Whoa, Space um, Girls. We'll see. I also want to mention that in uh, Prog 889, with the relaunch there, the logo changed slightly to have the sort of a solid border around it instead of just a drop yeah. shadow. And I've just kind of noticed that this issue, because it kind of looks like there's a hologram drawn onto it. And like next in 901, there's like a bunch of skulls and stuff on it and stuff like that. They're playing around with the logo a little bit more. That's cool. Yeah, you got to experiment to figure out what. Yeah. And the nerve center, Tharg, is as incredulous about this milestone as Fox is. And there's a beyond belief saying that Japan <laughs> uses frogs when they play baseball like that one Beavis and Butted episode. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird thing to say. It's true. Mid issue or in the middle of the dread story, there's a mixed column about uh, the about a uh, gorilla records, a, a dance um, like house imprint in the UK um, and some dance signal singles. And also, I should mention 2080 art director Steve Cook designed their logo. The input page has a picture of dread and Friday meeting up and letters have something old, new, borrowed and blue. OK. Yeah. Prog 901, it's part one of a three-prog miniseries as Derbert Power depicts Judge Death sitting in a bunch of skulls, Hamlet style. Alas, mm. poor Joe. In the input page, or sorry, in the, uh, in the in the nerve center, Tharg says good things come in small packages and tease sort of this three-prog run of stories. Teases that while the price of the prog will be going up to 80 pence. Jesus um, Christ, bud. Yeah, Prague, um, but also Prague 904, or sorry, but also the coming months, bra- or, the, you know, blah, excuse me, the price of the Prague has gone up to 80 pence, but we also have new stories coming from stuff like Button Man, Skiz, and ABC Warriors, among others. Oh, those soon. are good things. I like those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, they announced that uh, Diane Lane, Armand Asante, and Max von Sydow have been cast in the Dread film. The input pages dread licking ice cream off his day stick, the long tongue of the law. Gross. Weird. Weird. That's weird. Yeah. I appreciate that it's an I that it's a British ice cream cone because it's got the uh the flake um like oh, a yeah, chocolate yeah. thing at the end of it. Um letters compliment pagan stuff in in uh slain complain that we need to read a bunch of progs and the Meg now to get the full story for dread. I mean, what yeah, heck? that's kind of the Kind of the business model. Yeah. And a reader notes that there are some dread elements in Babylon 5 and asks if Tharg watches that. There's like some psychs, some psychic cops. They call criminals perps. The badge kind of looks like dread's badge. And Tharg says he prefers Deep Space Nine. Hey, yeah. Who doesn't love shot reverse shot? Hey, Deep Space Nine is a fun show. Yeah. Listen, if it was if it was just Odo and Quark, the show, I'd fucking love it a lot. Right now, it's just, you know, I listen, I love Deep Space Nine. Okay, I'm just saying that if it were Odo and Quark antics the whole time, I'd be a happier camera. I I think it's good in short supply. I think it's something that could get 
a little bit much if you actually, you know, it's it's when you actually just get a big bowl of frosting that you realize that actually the cake sometimes has <laughs> that that sometimes value. you you need to go through a portal to you know another part of of you know your galaxy. Honestly, only yes. To find out there's a whole bunch of Odos and then there's a big war. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, big I'm yes. There with you. And also, you know, you gotta you gotta deal with this Bajaran stuff, regardless of how you want to deal with it. Man, I lo- mostly religious. I like all that stuff, religious. honestly. They, yeah, of course, it's fan. Star Trek. It's more Star Trek. I just, you know. And then there's also, and then the Prague ends with an ad for uh, for Super Metroid, which I never really played, but so I know what we'll have fond memories here's, of. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. They they do the reveal in this. Like the the whole thing is you get through like the entire game Super Metroid. Nah, that's regular game. Metroid. Regular Metroid, it's revealed that Samus is a, oh, is, yeah, is a yeah. girl. No, you're right. By the sense. time of Super Metroid, kids have already played regular Metroid. They even used the code Justin Bailey to play it as Girl Samus the whole time. Mm. Oh, man, that is some 35-year-old um, video game p- passwords that I remember, Fox. Jesus Christ. Mine is uh, N-T-H-G-T-H-D-G-D-C-R-T-K for Turok. Whoa. Yeah, no, that nice. gives you everything. <laughs> Frog 902, Warlocks! Clint Langley does a particularly moist and drippy nemesis. The input page is pleased with all these current thrills and plugs new content in 904, including the crossover Epic Wilderlands. And Beyond Belief says Nostradamus wrote with the Flintstones the movie pencil, which I think is kind of funny. I mean, it looks more like George R.R. Martin, but I'll buy it. I mean, you know, these beardos. Um... Here it is. <laughs> Mid-issue, there's a con... Speaking of Star Trek, there's a contest to win a Star Trek yeah. Next Generation video board game, which seems pretty I crazy. I remember this. I remember this. I had never played it, but it seems kind of... It, like, you know, knowing how, <clears throat> you know, your your tapes work, I imagine that it's like you stop it and then play it at specific points, but what if you have to go no, back and... like? I think what game? I think what it is is... Because the description of the game says you have 60 minutes to do something. So I think what it is is like you're sort of playing against that Klingon you see in the picture for the thing. So you just kind of – so the tape just kind of runs and he maybe sort of taunts Uh, you. It's Captain Kavok. Yeah. So he'll just kind of taunt you um, as you do things, I guess. I wonder if you could find the YouTube video, like a, one, a, a YouTube video for I it. I will watch a Let's Play of this, to be perfectly. Yeah, TNG Interactive. Okay, there's, okay I'm going to look at this later. This v- so it's inter- not really interactive. You, it's a 60-minute board game. I mean, it's 1994, so interactive is very much in quotes and can mean anything at this point. <laughs> I remember this era. Um, they also say, "Hey, write in a write in a thing. Name the actor who plays yeah. the Klingon." Want Lieutenant you to Warfare, tell Trek, you who Michael Dorn is? Come yeah, on, exactly. Anyway, the input page is a picture of Jack the Judge, which might be a reference to Irish national team manager Jack Charlton, who managed to get Ireland into the 1994 World Cup. I guess. Okay. Mostly because, yeah, it's. You, you think it might be Jack the Lad. But there's a lot of Jack the Lad things on the internet, including several porn magazines. So you got to be careful. Fox. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is a different connotation, doesn't it? Indeed, it really does. It really does. Letters joke about political correctness. 
are confused by future swearing, the old school stuff in Armored Gideon, and new rogue trooper generally. And here's where, like I said earlier, Tharg promises to recap or sort of and explain what's going on with the current Friday continuity. Yeah, okay. Krug 903, Chris Weston draws Friday all squinty-eyed and pucker-mouthed as evil Norts and friendly medics stand in the He's background. He's got a lot of crags. He's you know? got a lot of lines on his face, for sure. And the input page, Tharg says he's out of boasts. And that's tough because there's a ton of great stuff on the way, including 2080 yearbooks and also some of the thrills next time, including Button Man and ABC Warriors. Yeah, but you didn't mention the one thing on this that I am very upset by. What's that, Fox? Big Dave. Oh, yeah. Big goddamn Dave. He's coming to our town, Fox. Yeah, Fuck the, uh, Big Dave. Fuck Big Dave. The 904 lineup's going to be Dread Wilderlands, ABC Warriors, Big Dave, Button Man, and Robo Hunter. Some of those are good. Like I said, three-fifths, I think, you'll be interested <laughs> in. Uh, the Nerve Center's half-sized this time. The other half taken up by an ad for a comic book shop opening in Leeds. Letters ask if the letters in the page are real and then dem- and then talk a lot about skateboarding and say that funky should not be spelled with a PH. Yeah, no, it definitely shouldn't. Oh, and there's also an ad where you can get a free round of Quasar laser tag by bringing in proofs of purchase from a feast bar, which is one of those what? pops like uh, chocolate ice cream bars. that has like the Rice Krispie thing sort of in the, okay. the outside of it. I don't know. Whatever. Feast bars for Quasar. And speaking of the antics of kids these days, Fox. Oh, God damn it. Thrill for Bradley. <laughs> Script robot Al McKenzie. Art robot Simon Harrison. Learning robot Bunty Mayhew. Woof. God yeah. damn it. Fucking Bradley. At home, Bradley tackles a mailman. He's got a self-defense book and grabs it from the mail sack. He and Milton practice Kung Fu and Bradley's style is a lot like mine. It's mostly eye gouges and crotch kicks. Meanwhile, we see Annabella having a tea party with her stuffies when some tough kids show up and hassle her. So she kicks one in the junk and then runs and beats the other kids with sticks. They pursue her and then Bradley shows up in a black gee kind of thing. Bradley, master of martial arts. Mm-hmm. Bradley goes to fight, gets his ass kicked. Annabelle is, is pissed. His grandpappy sees his beaten state and offers to teach him to fight. First giving him lots of food, then taking him to an old age home to play dominoes and learn the art of fighting without fighting. With a <sighs> okay. domino around his neck, Bradley goes to grab Annabelle for a talk when he's confronted by those mean boys again. And I could have gone without seeing everybody's junk at this point, but I guess yep. that's how we're gotta, drawing them. Gotta show it. Bradley beats up the bullies, quoting Enter the Dragon, the Princess Bride, and Wrath of Khan as he does. Eventually, the fight involves throwing dominoes, and the moral is be tough because chicks dig it. Great job, Bradley. Yeah, th- uh, that's the end of this story. And Fox, you'll be happy to know the oh. end of Bradley in the Progs. Oh, thank God. They finally got our message from the past. That's right. He does appear in this year's yearbook, though. But that's it. After that, that's the end. Oh, bring back DJ and Quinch. Like, why this? Yeah. Bring back DR and Quinch. Come on. Or DR and Quinch, excuse me. I think it's just because they're sort of like, you know, Alan McKenzie and Simon Harrison are sort of the brat, like, 
are the Bradley team. So I do appreciate that this is give, getting work for Simon Harrison. Sure. But like there's so much better things he could be doing in yeah. anything in the Prague here than Bradley. Creatively. Hey, Bradley. Anything. Exactly. And hey, speaking of weird dudes from beyond the stars, Fox. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's our old friend. Uh, we've got more to tell us, I guess. Yeah. Thrill five nemesis, the warlock. You know, I'm trying not to be down on this one, though. You know, I hear you. Like well, this one's very recap of heavy as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like, uh, I'm I'm trying to come in with fresh eyes, but man, oh, man, I don't know how much more I can deal with evil, evil, chaos, 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 uh, chaotic. We're well, we're going to have more of that one way or another, just in the works of Pat Mills, nemesis or not, you know. Yeah, I know. Script about Pat Mills, art about Clint Langley, letting robot Bunty Mayhew, nemesis, Langley bringing all that dinos all that dynasty grossness nemesis yep. and torquemad in this opening splash page here real goopy nemesis is out riding with a sexy female warlock and i'll remind you that female warlocks are centaurs so they're two-thirds horse one-half sexy but Centaur-ess. even mm, even as they do it in a lava flow nemesis said he's, he's gotta go somehow torquemada has returned <laughs> like Papeltine, and is once wow. more pursuing his campaign of hatred as we get a recap of the situation, basically. Wiping out aliens and deviants, especially Nemesis, be pure, be vigilant, behave, etc. Yep. Nemesis recaps his relationship with his, you know, his first wife, Chira, and their kid, Thoth. Thoth's murder by Torquemada, and it's time for the final conflict. This story actually reminds me a lot of uh, the story Slain the King, which is right before the yeah. start. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of, uh, of the Horned God and was very much sort of built around recapping the stories and moving things along a little bit. Torquemada addresses his people standing in front of a forest of tortured and strung up humans. He wants to wipe out aliens and those who consort with them. Our bodies need moral fiber, just like everything else. So follow his three B's. I said him previously. Eat prunes, eat wheat, take shits. But his words for uh, mask his frustrations, always losing a nemesis, his two failed marriages, his death that led to the loss of his body, but gained him the ability to change shape and portray yeah. purity brown. His later conflict and team up with the ABC Warriors to fight Thoth and eventually his remarriage and then betrayal. Um, to Candida in the pages of a sci-fi special. Yeah, she took like, off with that warlock. Yeah. Like the previous Prague, this is a recap of Torquemada's side of the Nemesis story. And I'd say it's very much carried by Langley's art, sort of oh, you know, giving us some new looks at things. Without that, this would be a weak tea. It gives it a lot more space where it's needed. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of gross. Uh, yeah, I would say this is a good section just because or this is fun just because of how over the top Langley's going with everything. Mm. And that's very much what you you know, I feel like that's very much what you look for in a nemesis artist, you know. Absolutely you know, true. You definitely had good examples of this in the past. and This is continuing that tradition. Mm hmm. Termite is surrounded by a psychic sheath, though. We learned that in the last nemesis story and its evil is reflecting back on itself. Torquemada knows he lacks the power to fight Nemesis, but Brother Bertolt has found something that might help. The Malleus Maleficarum, the Hammer of Witches. 
Yep. Ecto, yeah, ectoplasmic creatures plague termite as evil thoughts are made form and plaguing Torquemada. If anybody says like Torqu- stuff. Yeah, if you say, I hope you die, or I hope you jump out a window, or I hope you eat a big pile of alien guts, he'll do that for at least an oh, hour. Oh no, it's, so. it's specifically poop. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Eat a bunch of alien shit. He'll definitely tuck in for at least an hour or so. But luckily, this stuff doesn't seem to have a long-term effect on him. He's okay afterwards, and his thought police are then quick to provide retribution as Warhammer 40K-like as possible. Oh, yeah. Got to kill these people to not have impure thoughts. Just a lot of torturing and stuff. Um, Monsters, curses, and diseases plague the planet as prayer squads are dispatched to help people, but only the truly pure can receive aid. Torquemada gets a sweet new rubber suit, I guess. Yeah, it's like, you know, craggy again. Seems like a weird point to bring up here as we're glossing over or whatever. And the people are generally on the verge of rebellion led by known Lady Purity Brown. Yeah, she also doesn't like that nemesis guy very much. Yeah, I don't We seem like we're de-emphasizing the trickster god elements of nemesis but who's to say when we get there in the end torquemada tastes defeat only a miracle could save him indeed even now the blitz spear has returned to termite perhaps nemesis here to finally gloat over the final destruction of his enemy and here's where i mentioned i saw something online discussing whether nemesis is um catchphrase is credo as we've said or credo which I guess might be how the Latin word might be pronounced, but I think it's dumb. Okay. That's- anyway, suddenly Brother Bertolt appears, the hammer, and talks about he's got the hammer of witches and warlocks, an ancient piece of technology that can nullify curses and is impregnated with the dark thought energy of past emperors of termites. Well, damn. Tap into that, why don't you? And here's where I'll mention that the actual, like, mal- the Malleus Maleficorum or whatever is like an actual historical book that just is like was used by witch hunter types to sort of, you know, trump up causes against women to take their stuff and burn them at the stake, basically. Not surprised. I I, uh, I took a class in college that was called Knowing and Unknowing in, in, uh, in, in pre-Renaissance Europe, Fox, which is a very good class and touched on um, on that book. And we read parts of it. And you'd be surprised how much of it involves men having their penises stolen. Anyway, (laughs) just to continue on the theme of this episode, I guess. Dick heavy. Dongs. Anyway, he's got the malleus. He can use it to vanquish Nemesis. Feeling destiny, Torquemada knows he will be victorious. The story ends and says that the great battle will begin in 1995, but that is not the case. I don't know exactly what caused it, Fox, or what you know, like what led to a slowdown. Because Pat, it's not like Pat Mills is sort of on the outs with 2008. We'll have a ton of Pat Mills stuff coming up. Maybe he wanted Kev O'Neill to come back, and Kev O'Neill didn't have an opening in his schedule or something. But the final chapter, the final book of Nemesis, won't be in 2000 AD until Prague 1147 in October oh, 1999. That's a very long time. Totally. That, that's outside of my personal reading time frame, actually. So I don't, I haven't read it. I don't know how Nemesis ends. We're, we'll find that out together, buddy. Yeah, apparently. Jesus. 
you know, it's how it goes. I mean, you've definitely got a ton of Pat Mills stuff coming up, ABC Warriors, Next, um, Prague Issue, all that stuff. But with that, my friend, I must know, we've reached the end of our thrills, very compact here. I do appreciate just sort of having five thrills that start and end this episode, makes things very neat and tidy. Absolutely. And thus, I must know, buddy, 900 900 progs in. For these four, what are your top uh-huh. and bottom thrills? Fuck Bradley at the bottom. Bradley uh-huh. at the bottom, no problem. Level whipping boy, gonna whip this boy. Um, let me tell you something. Other than that, there, Bradley. I really enjoyed, though it's not my top, um, sort of this dread rogue crossover casualties of war. Yeah, I think we might make that a separate one from the rest of dread if you want. Yeah, I exactly. I, I that's why I kind of put it as its own. I think it it's a it's a very neat meshing of the Dories um that I was skeptical that they could do and they did it really well and uh yeah just really enjoyed it. It it felt like a nice tight story even though it was it took over a, a, a whole prog. Um but yeah really enjoyed it. Um, Dread, overall, meh. I, it wasn't my most favorite thing. I, I'm glad that they're, you know, going back to the well with death and everything. But to be honest, I put it more in the, like, okay category. Everything was fine. Um, I did appreciate kind of the, you know, uh, fake news sort of-esque treatment that just <laughs> giving everything. Yeah. Um, and then Rogue Trooper, uh, aside from uh, Prog 900, Really liked it, uh, though I I didn't like that it didn't stick the landing. Like I was always, I always, I always hold out that Rogue's got a little bit of heart, you know. Mm, yeah, um, like he would keep the peace sign thing as a as yeah. a to- as a, mem- a memento or something. Yeah, exactly. Because then it would be something that, like, hey, as he as he kind of like he's he's carrying on like pieces of these people that that mm. he's left behind to kind of remember remind him, right? Not unlike the biochips, but there are also people out there. Oh, interesting, um, yeah. That that have sort of changed him, right? Because um, I think that would be sort of a catamari of of decent storytelling. <laughs> um, Nemesis, it was fine. It recapped, I guess, and I will judge it on its merits when it's, I guess, out in a thousand years from now. Exactly. Uh, I'm real tired of the chaos angle. I get it. Like, listen, Pat Mills is a great writer. Um, Clint Langley did a great job. I feel like this was a lot more readable visually uh, than Dynosity, if that makes <laughs> mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, so don't know if some notes were passed to him or not, but like really great job on that. And you know what that leaves? It's my it's my top, which is Durham Red. God damn it. Nice. Looks great. Feels great. Uh, the whole story is interesting. I'm I'm interested to see where it fucking goes. I uh, love Durham Red's new classed up attitude and and look. I really hope Mark Harrison's in this one for the long haul. And Peter Hogan, eat your heart out. Them um, <laughs> nice. Like it was just it, it's my top. It was great. It was great to look at. It was great to read. Wanted to read all of it. And I, I love kind of how the end does come back to where we left off. So it, you know the continuity is a- mm-hmm. and Conrad. Mm. You know what I have to know. What's that, buddy? Well, first off, I mean, is he act- like if Clavel made the genetic material that no. then made the troopers, mm-hmm. like, would he like if he was circumcised, would he make them circumcised genetically or would he let them? Would but- Friday call one nine hundred eat dads? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess like if I had a more, I don't know, subdued or, or lesser question to ask, it's uh, what are your top and bottom thrills? Oh, man. I mean, ooh, 
Bradley, get out of here. That's what I thought. Bottom bin, baby. Get out of here, Bradley. I liked, you know, I like the dread. I, I like sort of the big dread story and the smaller dread stories as well. Although, mm-hmm. in general, like, I do think it's cool to sort of have 900 be special and having a complete story yeah. in there is kind of a special thing to happen. I do kind of, I am kind of like, I'm not super pleased that sort of the the events leading up to wilderness are happening in the magazine right now, while yeah. Prague dreads just kind of having wacky one-off adventures and stuff it, like that. It's starting to like as somebody who is not actively reading the the magazine, right? Yeah. It is starting to really outlast its. Well, luckily it's done now because we'll be right into Wilderlands next time. Um, you know. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of down on Nemesis, honestly. If just because it's it's not doing anything. Yeah, to have this re- like when we had the recap with Slain the King, you know, we'd had we also then had I f- I forget the exact timeline, but I feel like we had the Horn God not too long afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And I really don't like when we take, especially multiple weeks, to do a setup. And then don't follow through with anything, especially mm. because this story itself is picking up from that previous like Nemesis three parter that was called The Shape of Things to Come. Yeah, which then didn't go. Which anywhere. was also setting things up and bi- or I guess that was a one parter, but still, like you know, we had sort of a Nemesis story. It was the first in two hundred progs, and it sort of said, "Oh, things are happening in Nemesis. Things I are mean, coming." And I'm then gonna we be just, honest. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that's 2000 AD. It's setting up something and then dropping it, and no one understands why. <laughs> I think it's, some, it's, it's I a think trope for them in a way. Kind of. I think a lot of times they will follow through, at least with like I don't know. Especially if they take time to like not just like when Tharg mentions it in the nerve center, but when they do have like a like this will return or, you know, they, they don't drop stories a ton, although they certainly do drop stories. I think Dan Dare's still out there trying to clean his name from the Mekon or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm just saying it's, it's not something that necessarily happens often, but for an anthology comic that runs this long, it, especially with nemesis, it's starting to become a thing. And God, right. like, I mean, well, I think it's just that the amount of times that Robo Hunter's done a fucking restart. Yeah, well, yeah. And I definitely think that um, I think I and the 2000 AD community at this point likes Nemesis way more than Pat Mills does. I don't think, you know, we've we observed this during, I think, the book nine run, especially or eight and nine runs when, you know, Mills, I think, is a little bit more interested in plumbing the depths of Torquemada and even then sort of got bored with that, I guess. And so, you know, it seems like he's sort of doing these doing these check ins almost under duress or something. He'd rather explore the themes of chaos and um, nihilism with the ABC Warriors, Slane and Finn, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I guess they, they've got their their places as specifically but it's a whole you know, i sort also of, i also yeah. really love the abc warriors because it used to just be fucking you know yeah no, i miss those ass, days bunch of, bunch of like weirdos shit yeah very saturday morning cartoon kind of feel of just weirdos doing missions and stuff we'll yeah. see if it gets there but yeah but um and so what else i guess 
And but but all that to say that you know you go to oh uh, sorry I liked I thought Rogue was fine I really liked the action sequences oh yeah um, oh, and just yeah. stuff and I thought this was a very like showed that there could be just kind of like an episodic you know can't wander the earth like Kane and Kung Fu style Rogue Trooper yeah. story with um, Friday and the ships you know but. I gotta say, the one that really struck me in this episode yeah, was Durham Red, man. The solidarity. I love the re this sort of goth redesign for her. I oh, really, yeah. you know, fits her way better. Yeah, and I think sort of using this story to and 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 I did this a little bit in the original in the Alan Grant Carlos Escarra Durham Red story solo story as well to sort of you know use her to talk about you know get sort of mid-grade philosophical about the nature of good and evil and addiction and stuff i think is also mm. fun and like yeah and this was just a, a cool reintroduction to the character you know and i don't i don't know exactly how far it's going to go but i'm excited to see what ends up happening i'd like to see it go far to be perfectly yeah. honest and so i, I would Red. definitely yeah, i think she's a great character and I think, yeah, so I would say, yeah, Solidarity, Bradley on the bottom, Durham Red on top, where she belongs. You'll love to hear it, folks. When Fox is right, Fox is right. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, you're <laughs> right more than you're wrong, certainly. I, uh, you know, we're fuck Big I, Dave. Exactly. I will say also, you know, Prog 900, an amazing milestone. And I'm really glad that we've you know, managed to hold things together. And make it to here, buddy. You know, yeah. And I'm I'm glad the listeners are here with us. You know, absolutely. It's been a journey for everybody. And you know, uh, I know that you all agree with my hot takes, and that's why you're definitely here because you agree <laughs> with me, and that Conrad is always wrong. But that's why we love. Oh him. no, that's why we love him. Yeah, because you know, I have to come in here super prepared with all this history and knowledge surrounding this really epically scaled comic and. Conrad's here for those laughs. He's here for it's true. Trouble. I just breeze through, barely read anything. <laughs> Doesn't even prepare. I mean, but you, I, you know, <laughs> I, I write these long, long, long documents that are just, you know, whew, I have to go through oh, the entire man. thing. But um, really, I just want to say, you know, thank you so much, buddy. Really appreciate it. But I don't want to get too sappy because, of course, I'm looking at the top of this document that I stole from you that I've been working off of. And it says that we're at Space Spinner 296, and that means that 300 is right around the corner. Oh, yeah. And that's when it's time to get sappy, you know? You know, <laughs> it's going to be a drunk cast. Absolutely. Yeah, the only way to do it. I'm going to drink like two bottles of wine. It's going to be really exciting. <laughs> it's going to be really, it's going to be sloshy. Anyway, I will say also just generally, like, if you want to, uh, if you're listening to this and enjoy the show and, you know, I don't know, I feel bad about... I like my my natural humbleness makes me feel bad about like saying like, hey, send in some well wishes. We can read them on the show. Hey, listen, well, I you know, I'd love to read some. Kyra loves to read some. We'll we'll put some of those on here, man. Like, come on in. You guys have been here the whole time and you you love these. Listen, you love these comics. You're clearly listening to us. We want to we want to give you exposure too. you know. Yeah. And I just, you know, and honestly, since we only do them every hundred episodes, it's every two or three years. Like, it's not too bad. (laughs) It's like we're doing this every episode. Anyway. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, or the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Contact spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. The 2000 forums 
or Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. At SpaceSpinner2K is us on Twitter. And drop us a rating or review wherever you're listening. Helps us out. The show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's our podcast network. Support the show, get advanced episodes, and come back next time as we take a look at 2000 AD's 1995 yearbook. It's the final yearbook slash annual that 2000 AD has done, as well as Dread. It's got the three Bs, Fox. Okay. Bradley, Brigand oh. Doom, and oh. Babe Race 2000. Yeah! And since it's the last yearbook, you're doing it with me. It's going to be exciting. Oh. Oh, no. That's right. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spitter 2000. Spunday Give me just a uh, second, Fox. A couple of them are yeah, because you kind of <laughs> sorry about that. No, no, you're fine. I just forgot to do my uh, my uh, find what we're talking about today section. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. To be perfectly, it's good. Oh my god! <laughs> I was I, I I was shocked that like I was I was about to riff on ones, but you just you know you just put down the ace of spades at first. Like <laughs> I got no responses to that. This is how it goes. <laughs> So you gotta go. You gotta go all in when you get like a one eight hundred slash one nine hundred. You're just like fuck you, royal flush. Eat dads. Eat dads. Okay. <laughs> okay. Come on. Come on. Okay, we're gonna get the silliness out.